The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Matthew chapter 2. Thank you, Minister Micah. Remain standing if you're able. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Greetings to all of our online folks tonight. We're so blessed that you're with us. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, Of all the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Jew Bethlehem, the land of Judea, are not of the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men to determine from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you've found him, bring back word to me, so I may come and worship him also. Sounds like one of our politicians right there, because he's straight lying. Verse 9. Just saying, not all politicians lie, but Herod is a psychopath. I'll refrain from saying my next thought. Verse 9. Jesus help our, that's not verse 9. Jesus help the United States of America. Somebody say amen. Verse 9, verse 9. Here we go. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. What kind of, what kind of joy? Exceedingly great joy. And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. They opened their treasures, and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Final verse, verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I think I preach from this text nearly every uh, Christmas season. And uh, thank you. It's a text that's impacted me. In fact, uh, the message is, is what I call a an ancient well that we're sort of reopening. Some words just need to be re-preached. So this is not a new message that I've 
never preached before, although I've also found that in preaching God's Word, it's so multifaceted and powerful and effective, and He stands over it, so that even if you do have the same notes, it never comes out quite the same way, and God will speak to those He's gathered even here in this place through this message tonight. The Christmas message is the most amazing message, really, that God would step out of eternity and put on robes of flesh, as we just sang, become a man. As the angel spoke to Mary, nothing's impossible with God. As she questioned the angel, how can this be? Which is always interesting to me because Mary found favor with God. Now this is in Luke. Mary found favor with God and the angel comes and appears to her and says, you're going to be overshadowed. The power of the Almighty will overshadow you and you will become pregnant. And she says, how can this be? I've never been with a man. Nothing's impossible with God. But you see in the story of Zacharias, when his wife, Elizabeth, is, is to be pregnant, the prayer that you used to pray has been heard in Luke chapter 1. He says, how can this be? And he says, don't you know that I'm Gabriel? Now you're going to be deaf and dumb, basically. Two different, two different questions, seemingly the same question. How can this be? With Mary, it was a heart of, Yes, Lord, I don't understand that. Can you help me? Nothing's impossible with God. But Zechariah, it was all, man, that's impossible, bro. <laughs> Two totally different hearts. I emphasized it just a little bit. And so the, real, the message of Christmas is nothing's impossible with God. Matthew's theme, and we do have notes for you to encourage you to fill the notes in. Matthew's theme throughout the entire book of Matthew is that Jesus is the king. And he tells the story of the wise men to come to worship Jesus. And, and uh, it's not just Palestine that hears about it, but actually these wise men that, that come. And Jesus' birth is anticipated throughout the whole world. What? I'm telling you, throughout the known world, Jesus' birth was anticipated. So much so that uh, Augustus Caesar took the title Savior and Lord. There were prophets... Jewish prophets, prophets in Israel, and, and, and in other religions also, declaring there was going to come this king. Oh, you can study it out. And so there's this worldwide belief that there's coming this king. There's coming this savior. There's coming this, as a Jew would say, the Messiah. So much so that Augustus Caesar said, dude, we're going to preempt that. Let's get in the way of that. Why don't you all just worship me and call me Lord and Savior? And they started emperor, emperor religion, basically. It didn't work. They didn't preempt his coming. He came anyway, and he still is the king. Can you say amen? amen. The Magi were from Persia, as I've said many, many times before, a class of people who were close to the throne. They were consultants to the throne. They were wise men. They were the elite, the educated of Persia. And uh, one of their number was most likely Daniel in generations before that. And you can read Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, and it talks about the 70 weeks, and it, it talks about the time of the Messiah. And we've, we've preached on it at other times, but if you if you do the math from the book of Daniel and you, and you figure out the weeks and the whole thing, you figure out that it comes right to the very time when Jesus is born. Amazing. 
And so these magi, they, they knew it. And God communicated to them through a star. You know, the other night with the birthday of the king, we have more people in this building than has ever been in the building in the history of the building at one time. We broke all fire codes, Lord forgive us. My wife said in this part of the building, that's true because we, we really couldn't seat people up in the, in the generational area where the kids and the youth are because you wouldn't be able to see the program. But I mean, in this wing, more people that have ever been in here before. I mean, we just couldn't put any more in. Standing room only. And we, could, we, couldn't put, we could put more in without having a production or a play because we just go all the way up to the stairs. But we didn't have that privilege. And we saw hundreds of people. Now, I, I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of people. Give their lives to Christ. Say, he said, well, I was in the back. I didn't see that many because that's that you just saw these ones. You didn't see these. I saw you, I see all these ones. It's people giving their heart to Jesus. The, the presence of God was so strong. Was so strong. I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what was going to happen next. And when we, we went outside after cleaning up and breaking down everything after the production, we're just rejoicing. And I went outside to see one of the most incredible light shows of the Northern Lights. And I really believe that it was like the Lord, your Lord just saying, oh yeah, that's right. I'm reminded of about nine years ago, we were in a service and the power of God hit the place. So many people touched and healed in that service, and I remember somebody coming in and said, Pastor, come outside right away. Come. And I ran outside, and they showed me this. I don't know what it was. It was a light anomaly. And it was over the church, and it was sort of spinning around, and people got pictures of it. It was like Northern Lights or the Aurora Borealis, but just over the building. Just over this area, actually, right here. And we sat there, some of you might remember that. I sat there and went, whoa, Lord? And, you know, you kind of close your eyes and go, you know, maybe there's some reflection, you know. And no, there was no reflection. There was no car lights. There was no passing by of vehicles. There was nothing like that. It was a supernatural sign. This is kind of what happened here on a much greater magnitude. The star leads them. Some say two years, but I think it's more like 1.5. So one and a half years to two years, a one way, one way takes them two years, one and a half to two years. So these wise men, there's not three, there's a whole entourage, so much so that all of Jerusalem is just freaked out by their, their arrival. Herod's troubled, Jerusalem's troubled, like, dude, what's up? And all they want to see is the king. They're following the star. And believe you me, they saw the star. Everybody saw the star. Everybody saw the star. Well, we have noticed that gigantic constellation that seems to get closer to us. They all saw it. And what's amazing to me is at the arrival there of Jerusalem and Herod is called and the, the, the wise men are there, the whole entourage, you've got the star and you have the religious leaders that come, they're called on by Herod, the scribes, the people that knew the Word of God more than anybody else. There's no one else that knew the Word, at least intellectually. Here. 
I knew the word more than anyone else, and that's why Herod called him. Bring me all the scholars. Bring me all the, bring me all the scholars of the Torah. Bring them all. And they come to the palace, and they say, okay, tell me about the Messiah. Where is he going to be born? Oh, that's, you know, they start quoting and quoting the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, it's Bethlehem. And so they tell him, well, it's Bethlehem. And the, and the wise men are like, awesome, thanks. And then Herod says, uh, go, go find him. And, and, and when you find him, come back to me so I can go and worship him too. And the wise men go. I want to look at three different things here in the text. Responses to the birth of Jesus. Three responses to the birth of Christ that you still see today. Herod. Let's talk about him. We were in Bethlehem just a few weeks ago, a month and a half ago or whatever it was. And we uh, were there and we had a guide and they showed us the the tomb where they found all these babies' bones, a mass grave called the Grave of the Innocents. You see, Herod rejected the birth of Jesus because he was so afraid of losing power, so afraid of losing his position in, as king of that area. And, and that we can prove that simply because he, he killed his wife, he killed his brother. He was completely paranoid, schizophrenic about his position. And so when the birth of Jesus comes and you got all of this massive entourage, and I think there's hundreds of people, hundreds that traveled. I, I, I mean, we don't, we don't know. I mean, when we get to heaven, we'll figure it out. I mean, you could study, you know, what entourage, sizes of entourage in the first, you know, in the first century. I, I didn't get that deep tonight. But you got to know it was impressive to, to, to stir the whole city. And he says... Show me so I can go and worship him. But what he ends up doing is killing all the babies that age. And you'll, you'll know it's about two years because he says to all the babies two years and under. So a year and a half journey, two, two, two year journey, they come. Herod rejects Jesus because he was afraid that Jesus would come and take his stuff. And I will tell you that there are people that might even be here tonight that will be in church this week because it's Christmas week, and they're really like Herod. They're afraid in that, and I don't mean to call them, you know, paranoid schizophrenics. I I mean, they're like Herod in, they don't want to really worship Jesus because they're afraid that he'll come and change their life in a way that would make it miserable. They don't want to yield to him because they want their stuff. They want to do what they want to do, and they don't want to change. They don't want to yield, so they reject Jesus just like Herod. There, there might be Herods here tonight. Come on, smile at me. Praise the Lord. The second group of people that are, the, the, this group is just, this group boggles my mind. I mean, Herod's demonized. I mean, I get it, you know. I get it. He's demonized. He's, he's, he's got all kinds of issues. But this, this one I just have a hard time with, the, the religious leaders. The religious leaders, they know the word. I mean, they have 
memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. They memorize it. They would, the scribes, they would, they would write out the word. They knew the word. They knew the Torah. They knew the prophecies. And so they come and they tell Herod and the Magi where Jesus, this Messiah, is going to be born. And it's in Bethlehem. And they have it right. And yet, when they, the, the entourage heads off out and down out of Jerusalem to head towards Bethlehem by the guiding of a supernatural constellation, a star. They don't go. I can't figure that out. What kind of ridiculousness is that? And then I thought, oh my gosh, I think, I, I think I've seen that in the church. Oh, I... I've I've seen people be so concerned about how many heads, how many angels dance on the head of a pin. They've got no fire, no zeal, don't win any souls to Christ. Oh, they can quote you chapter and verse and beat you up one side with the Bible and down the other. Got no fruit, angry, bitter, filled with rage. There's no joy, no fire, no zeal, no passion. They don't worship. They're just, you know, the... Frozen chosen. There's an indifference. Listen, don't ever let your heart get indifferent. And, and the other thing, the other thing, this is Dr. Morocco discipleship coming to you right now. The other thing is, you can study, and there's nothing wrong with studying. I think there's everything right with it. However, if your study, is everybody listening? If your study of the Word of God doesn't move you into a deeper intimacy with God, move you into a deeper encounter with Him in a very real and tangible way, changing your character, changing the way that you think, and affecting the entire uh, area all around you, all your relationships around you. Listen, you tell me you have revelation that works out in the soil of the context, the context of the soil of the relationships you have. So if you tell me you have some great revelation, it's not just so you can bring it in your small group. It's actually so you can change and become more like Jesus. And if you study the Word of God and you don't change, all your study has done has made you to be a religious person like these guys. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. We don't need a bunch of religious people. We need people that are filled with passion, filled with fire, people that know how to be a living sacrifice. And I know we're all learning and hoping to grow to become more like Christ. But these religious leaders, you've got to know the cry of every Jew, the cry of all of Israel in this age, when this happened, is, Oh God, send the Messiah. They would stand and pray and, and, and rock and, 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 and cry out, God, send the Messiah. Send the Messiah. Deliver us from Rome. Deliver us from Caesar. Deliver us, oh God. And their, their prayer life consisted of that. And their kids cried out. And their, their sons and their daughters cried out. From the young to the old and everybody in between, they all cried out for the Messiah. Now you have a star, you have this entourage, you have the king that calls you, and you interpret, oh yes, it's Bethlehem, and then you go back and have a cup of coffee? What kind of brain, what kind of spirit is that? 
I'll tell you what kind of spirit it is. It's a religious spirit. And it's steeped in apathy and unbelief. And you can study the word of God and come to church all your life and still be just twice dead, pulled up from the roots. It says in the book of Proverbs, a man who wanders out of the way. Is anybody hearing me? Man who wanders out of the way of understanding will rest in the congregation of the dead. There is a congregation that's dead. There is a place where there's no life. There is a place where there's no hope. There is a place of intellectual understanding, but it doesn't actually get down in the city of your soul, down in your innermost being, doesn't transform you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the Pharisees were, the, the Sadducees were. They were a bunch of unbelieving believers. They believed in the Messiah, they prayed for the Messiah, but now the Messiah is there, and they don't even see it. They don't even, they're not even moved to take a trip. It's 10 miles down the hill. I mean, how good is that coffee for God? 10 miles. We were there. It's a short little bus trip for us. (laughs) Got to go through a Palestinian checkpoint. You pray in the spirit. The religious leaders were indifferent. Their reaction is like so Many people today. As I said, there'll be people in church just once this week. I'm going to take my best swing at them. With the love of God. (laughs) There's people that just want to do their religious thing and don't surrender to the king. There's people that just want to like, you know, go to church and, you know, Keep Jesus in a box, but not really surrender, not really die, not really sacrifice. Don't, don't ever get like that. Go to church, but never get hungry. Come to service, but never have an encounter. Don't allow religion to become a substitute for reality. Oh, dude, that's a good tweet right there. Don't allow religion to become a substitute for reality. Religion is, you know... Religion and tradition are the two twin sisters from hell. And, and, and poverty is probably the third, it's a, it's three of them. Religion, tradition, and poverty, they go together. And, and, and you'll get over into apathy. Don't do that. When the Spirit of God puts His finger on things and He reveals things to you, yield, press in, repent, change. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Go ahead. Look at him. I think he's The third reaction we see strikes us to the core, and it's, it's the wise men. These wise men worship. God still has wise men today. I believe you guys are the wise men. I mean, you're here on a Wednesday night. Come on, you could be out doing anything, but you come to church tonight. And, and, and many of you will come tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's beautiful service. Don't miss it. It's a candlelight communion service, one of my favorite ones all year. You want to come a little early. I said that Sunday for the Sunday night, birthday of the king. Not everybody listened. So they showed up at 10 of 6, no more seats. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of like that. So you want to come a little early, all right? The wise men come and worship. The the wise men challenge us to worship. And uh, it was made of three components. They worship with true dedication. Everybody say true dedication. 
I mean, it's a dedicated thing to travel for two years, one direction. That's a four-year journey. Could have been 1.5 years. I've, I've read and studied different things. So it's a year and a half, two years. Let's, let's just go, let, let, let's go on the conservative side and say it's a year and a half, one direction. So a year and a half journey one way to worship Jesus, a baby, two years old, and then to go home another year and a half. Whoa. That's, that, that's some serious dedication. Let me ask you, how's your dedication to the Lord? Well, praise God. Should we move on to the next point? Our, our worship has a tendency to be self-centered. I mean, all right, maybe not yours, but I, I, I mean, our worship, my worship can be self-centered at times. Their worship was totally not self-centered. The amount of money it cost to take a three-year camping trip, the amount of time, the amount of effort, I mean... It, they, they were possibly subject to marauders. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, today you could just jump in your car and drive. It wasn't like that. And there were bandits and people, marauders are called, and they would come. It was very dangerous, a very dangerous journey. And they did all of that. I, I, I've seen people not come to church because it's cold. I've seen people come not come to, in Hawaii, but people wouldn't come to church it rained. I'm like, what? You know what? We generally don't have that problem here. If it snows, if it dumps snow, do you know what happens here? Everybody still comes to church. It's amazing to me. But that's not always the case. And sometimes we can just, you know. I mean, I had somebody I'm trying to get back in church. He said, man, a ball game's on on Sunday. I'm like, dude, get a DVR and repent for God's sake. Can't come to church because of the ball game. So do you tell me what you're worshiping, really? Piece of pig skin, going through a set of uprights, lose your mind because your team won. All right, we'll move on. Praise God. The Western church is so anemic. And honestly, the truth is, I don't see that here at KC too much. And I'm, you know, God bless you. I don't see that too much. I see, I see people dedicated. The amount of people that worked, over 100 people part of the casting crew, the amount of people that worked to put on that production, I've, we've never had that many people part of anything. And I'm talking work. I'm talking here till, you know, pray, Lord of the harvest, that he would thrust forth laborers, thrust forth laborers into the, into the harvest field. Has anybody ever labored? You ever, you ever labored all day with a shovel? It's one of my least favorite things to do. It's work. And in order to get the harvest in to do God's will, you're going to end, you're gonna have to get your shovel in the spirit and get after it. And I just watched a group of people just work so hard and sacrifice the cookie making, which we're trying to catch up on right now. It was dedication. How's your dedication for the Lord? Just check yourself. Come on, examine yourself. In Africa, they'll travel, they'll travel the whole day. They'll travel all day to go to church, and then they travel all day back. You say, why would they do that? By the way, when they get there, they have church all day, then they go back. There's no hour and a half, two-hour service. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's all day, eat, nap, get up, church again, or it doesn't end. 
I think sometimes we don't have a clue about what worship is. I'm convicted by these wise men. Worship's more than a song. It's a, listen, it's a commitment. Worship is a commitment of your whole life to Jesus. Worship is, man, did anybody just have a challenging day today besides me? I'm the only one. You're not going to confess it. Dude, I felt like I was trying to serve God with mud all the way up to my, the bottom of my chin. Just tired and just challenges. And, and there were moments, man, when I didn't do so well. I know you guys just did awesome, right? But I, there's moments, there's moments where I, you know, I was short. Sorry, babe. I was short with my kids. I got short with my wife. And, you know, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't please the Lord to do that. Then after I got electrocuted, yeah, that wasn't too cool. I actually was filled with the Spirit right then. I passed that test pretty good. My son's like, I was like, no, it's okay, son. <laughs> if you see me twitching every so often, you know what happened. I get hit with 18, number 18 on the doggy electrocution scale. St. Bernard status. Worship's more than a song. It's, you know when you can really please God when you can't feel not one whisper of His presence? When ain't nobody around. Nobody will know when you're in the dark. The level of Christianity, this is going to hurt, so just maybe you want to grab the bottom part of your seat just for a second. Are you ready? The level of maturity you have in Jesus is what you do when nobody will catch you and you're in the dark and then nobody will know. That is your level of spiritual maturity. Selah. They were, they were devoted with real reverence. They worship with real reverence. Reverence is uh, misunderstood in many places, but they most, mostly reverence is misunderstood. When I was raised, um, I was a Catholic, Roman Catholic, Irish Roman Catholic, my father's side. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd go to church, we'd go to Mass, we went to Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, and... and um, there was just this thing about, like, don't make any noise. God forbid you would make noise. And invariably, one of my brothers would have a package of Jolly Ranchers or something. Does any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, here, here, here we go. And, and, and you try to open, you know, he'd get one. He said, watermelon was my favorite. I, I always liked the watermelon Jolly Ranchers. And... Um, and he'd have the Jolly Rancher just be like. And my dad would look. I'm like. You're sitting there bored to tears. I know maybe your Catholic church is on fire. Mine was, the one I went to was really quiet. And you're opening your Jolly Rancher and it's just like heads are turning. People are freaking out at the crinkling of your plastic Jolly Rancher. Because shh, be reverent. You know what reverence is? Reverence is, is awe, godly awe mixed with godly fear. And, and reverence is not being quiet. 
Reverence is actually being sensitive to what the Spirit's doing. And if you're not flowing with what the Spirit's doing, actually you're being irreverent. That's what that is. So what are you talking about? I'm telling you, there's services where people get so touched by the power of God, you'll have somebody weeping, somebody crying, somebody else running around the room, running around the church. And it would be irreverent to fold your arms and bite your teeth and knuckle down and not yield to what the Spirit's doing. Perfectly in order. Listen, there is a thing called a holy chaos. It's it's an order, a godly order. And to resist what the Spirit's doing is is really to grieve Him. Now, the whole leading of that is, is honestly up to me as the pastor to make sure that things don't get out of order. And so what might be all right in some revival outpouring service we're having would not be all right right now. So if you feel the Spirit pushing you to stand up, scream, and run around the building, I'm going to trip you and our ushers are going to take you out the back. Amen. (laughs) I'm half joking. But reverence, these guys worship with real reverence. Look, we had a lady. We had a lady that felt led to, uh, you know, come and hit our prophet with a stick. How many of you know that was the last service she was in? We ministered to her right out the back door, out to the front. She was taken out into the out, graciously, and against her will. How many of you know you can't come in here and hit somebody with a stick? That ain't happening. Anyway, the police department helped her out because she would not calm down and threaten violence. And we just, you know, we don't let people in the building that threaten people. Reverence is an awareness of God and His presence. And these wise men, they had that. They worshipped sacrificially. Look at C. They gave their best. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, which I talked about on Sunday. They're all prophetic gifts. Gold represented his deity. Frankincense. God stipulated in Exodus chapter 30. Somebody wanted to hear what that was. It's about the the mixing and the making of the anointing oil. Uh, By the way, uh, it is said actually in, I believe it's in Exodus 30 right there, that uh, you don't ever want to make that anymore. Because if you make it like that, then you'll die. <laughs> it's this stipulation. I'm making it exactly like that. You're not allowed to make anointing oil according to that particular. Not by this recipe that's here. In its exact proportions, which I'm not even sure we are aware of what they are. But Exodus 30, 34 to 36 talks about that. And, and then myrrh. Now how many of you know that... Back to frankincense, a, a picture of the anointing, that Jesus was the anointed one, right? And then myrrh is an embalming uh, spice a burial for burial preparation. They gave their best. So many times we don't do our best. And I'm so thankful for, for those that, that, that are doing that. And I, I, I try. I didn't do so good today. I'm not under condemnation. Just a difficult day. Listen, you need to do your best. We need to do our best before the Lord. That's what, that's what they did. They did their best. Are you doing your best? 
I think God still has wise men. Any wise men out there? That's kind of a convicting message. Don't be like Herod, rejecting his plan. Don't, don't be like him. We say, well, I don't want to really serve God because then he'll make me go do something I don't want to do. Are you kidding me? He'll fulfill the very purpose for which you were made. That, that, and, and you'll never find satisfaction and fulfillment outside of him. So yield to him. Give your heart to him. Don't be a Herod. Come on, God's good. Don't, don't be like the religious leaders who study to show themselves approved, but when the moment of application comes, they miss the whole thing. They're indifferent. They're dried up. They've wandered out of the, congr- the, uh, the way of understanding and rest in the congregation of the dead. They're religious people. There's more people who would be in church if we didn't have just a bunch of religious folks just hurting it, hurting people in the name of the Lord. I've seen people in the past, not here, but I've seen people get so upset that somebody comes in, you know, all tie-dyes and smelling like dope, and which is legal now. Jesus, help us. Okay, I'll keep going. And, and they just try to get on that person, change him right away. You know, get a haircut, change your clothes, quit smoking dope. Put on a little tie and act twice as dead as just as we are. You know, that's what, that's what the Pharisees would do. Jesus preached. He said, you'll go over sea and land to make a convert. And then he said, oh, Jesus preaches. You think I preach hard? Listen to this. this is, I'm, I'll quote him as paraphrase. Jesus said, you go over land and sea to make a convert, and then you make him twice as son of hell as you are. Oh, preach, Jesus, preach it. Twice the son of hell. He say things like, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs filled with dead men bones. Pastor Jesus. <laughs> now look, I, I know that I'm, I'm encouraging, teaching, preaching to a bunch of people that love the Lord. And, and I'm so glad you've come. I'm just convicted. I'm convicted about the wise men. And as we come now close to Christmas... And, and which, of course, he wasn't born on the 25th either. But we do celebrate his birth now. And, and you have to ask yourself, are you a wise man or are you just a religious person? Are you a wise man or a wise woman or are you just a wise guy? They worship with real reverence. Herod rejected him because of his selfish misunderstandings of who God was and his hurts, his wounds, his fears. The religious people were indifferent, even though they had more word than any of us have in here. Old Testament, just studied it, knew it, but it didn't move them. But the, the wise men, that's what we want to be like. We, I want to be like one of them. I want to be like one of the wise men. They worship God with real dedication. Real dedication. Worship team. Coming from the back, would you please come? Thank you. Real dedication with real reverence. Be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Special message on a couple days before Christmas. How reverent are you? Ask God to give you sensitivity to His Spirit. And lastly, as a wise man, they 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 worship with real sacrifice, sacrificially. Not half-hearted. 
I'm bothered by the text because I see myself in some of them. The difference is, if I could just say this, is that it bothers me. So I don't want to. I don't want to stay that way. I want to change. Is anybody else looking to get changed? Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. I'm going to ask God to change you. Ask Him to change you. But this Christmas, this next year, let's be like that. Let's worship like that. Let, let's worship with all our heart. Let's serve Him. Let's, let's be dedicated. Dedicated in prayer. Dedicated in reading the Word. But not just reading the Word. Let it get deep down in you. Do you know what the meat of the Word is? I've heard somebody say this to me. They said, you know what? They just, I just want somebody to serve up some meat. I want the meat of the Word. I just want the milk of the Word. Usually someone that says that is really proving their own immaturity. If you don't mind me offending some of you. Because really... The meat of the word is that which you hear that, get, that changes you. It convicts you. It's God taking his finger and saying, that thing I want to change, son. And you're like, oh, God, that's meat. You know, meat, you think, it's not like filet mignon with a steak sauce and you're like a little bit of salt and, oh, this is wonderful. No, the meat of the word's like, ow! Ah! That's what the meat of the word is. Some folks want to move on to meat and they haven't even gotten, you know, mastered drinking milk yet. The elementary things of the Word. Study the Word, but, but be sensitive to, to not become somebody that's religious and indifferent. I need, I need to say, I said it before, but we've had, you know, students that head out to university. My daughter graduate next year. She'll be a senior next year and she'll go. Hallelujah. No, I, I don't mean like, oh, thank God she's going. I mean like, thank God she's grown up. She's a woman of God. I mean, I'm rejoicing. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's Wigglesworth when he put his daughter on the train to go be a missionary. All the parents are crying and weeping. Oh, boy, oh. And he's like, yes, yes. I'm sending one off into the mission field. Yeah, that, that's what I'm, I'm that, thanks God. That's, that's how I am. I'm like that. Come on, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The university students and, and the KSM students and all of you that are involved in higher education, listen, if you don't learn to serve and work with people, then you, come on, you, you, knowledge puffs up. You know what unpuffs it? Getting humbled by working with people. And no matter what kind of revelation you had in your closet, you get out there and there's people that just don't really care. But God tells you to help them. God tells you to minister to them. You share them their revelation, they don't understand. And He wants you to, you know, bear their burden. Be like Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Lord, we repent for at times being like Herod. We repent for times, Lord, where we've just demanded our own way or maybe even lived in fear. 
and not yielded to you. We repent tonight. I repent tonight. Lord, for at times being religious and being indifferent. Can I tell you how that works for a pastor? Let me tell you how that works. I'm not indifferent, mostly. But I found myself as I, I, I have a tendency to get jaded. A little jaded. You know what I mean? A little bit of indifference. In other words, when, when somebody comes who's a drug addict, for instance, or somebody comes and they want help, and then we help them and we give them counsel, and they don't listen, and they go out and they get their tails kicked. I mean, my attitude has been like, how's that working for you? Can I have some money? No, no. <laughs> you listen to the counsel, and you can have freedom. And, I, and I, I have a tendency to cut my heart off towards that. Am I, is that just me? I'm just like, man, get a grip, dude. Freedom or, or death? Freedom or death? Which one do you want? Freedom or death? Freedom or death? And I've had a tendency to get a little callous, and it's not good. That's not God. Amen. Come on, just ask God to make your heart tender and sensitive. Lord, we would not be a people of indifference. Oh, we'd be sensitive and caring, loving, Christ-like. Lord, we'd be moved by your word. We'd be moved by your spirit. We would be a people that are not apathetic and lethargic. We'd be a people that are deeply moved by your word, by revelation, by your spirit. Oh, God, we pray. Forgive us for where we've done that. God, we want to be like wise men. Lord, help us to be dedicated at a greater level. Come on, ask God to help you. Help us to be dedicated. Help us to worship with reverence. Real reverence. And with real sacrifice, our time, our talent, our treasure. One and a half years to go to church. One and a half years to head home. Wow. Lord, we want to be like that. In Jesus' name. Did you get something? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God tonight, don't walk out this building without being reconciled to Him. You might be one that's come to church over and over and over, but you've never surrendered to Christ. Do it tonight. Don't wait. The greatest gift you could give yourself right now is the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus by believing on Him. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him as we close this service, just lift your hand high. Maybe you want to recommit. You know you drifted. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Raise your hand high. You want to be included. God bless you. Thank you. Raise your hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. All the way in the back. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Pray this with me, won't you? Right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill and touch each and every one right now I have a vision uh, Lord showing me something it might be just for one person but I, I need to share it 
It says in the book of Corinthians, it's first or second, that you cannot eat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And I see that there's uh, someone here who you sincerely love God, but there's a mixture of, of other things that you perceive to be truth being mixed into your, into your soul. It's like a mixture of godly and ungodly, and, and it's this mixture, and you think it's working out. It'll work out, and I'm going to tell you that there's a warning I give you tonight by the Spirit of God to set yourself away. You've had, the Lord has been speaking to you. There's been a, a still small voice. At times, it's been not so small and not so still. But it's, it's a fading understanding now. But I bring it to remembrance by the Holy Ghost. You are to separate yourself from those who are bringing that mixture. You know exactly what I'm telling you. You're to separate yourself from them. To come out from among that particular group. There's even deception. There's some things that are happening uh, even in the upper levels there. The people that have um, been around the longest where there is a mixture of the table of demons and the table of the Lord. And you're going to find God coming with His loving staff and giving a spanking. They'll come and exposing of some of the uh, things that have been in the back rooms. And the Lord is warning you tonight. He's warning you tonight to just step out, slip out, and you'll be like stepping out without the, even the smell of smoke. And it's, it's clear the path that he's showing you. He's been speaking to you. And this, this, this vision I have for you that I'm, that I'm bringing you tonight is, is perhaps exactly just for one person or family. He's showing you. Come out, and I'm going to put you right in the place where you should be. And you'll find, you'll find some of the frustration. There's been an attack on your finances. There's been, uh, there's been an attack on your emotions. There's been an attack uh, even on marriages. You'll see it. You'll see all of that just falls off. It'll just crack and fall off, and you'll walk out into this new thing that God has for you. Do it. Come, come out. Come out from among them. Come out from among them. Whoever that is, maybe you're online, I don't know. Come out from among them. Be ye separate. Watch the peace of God come over you. And the confusion, there's also a cycle of confusion that's been on you, your family, even your kids. It's going to break off. That anger is going to go. You're going to find yourself walking in the peace and the joy of the Lord. I'm calling you out. I'm speaking to you. Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Amen. Let me close tonight. Father, thank you for what you've done. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you Thursday night. Don't miss Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com kcalaska.com Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.